but I want you to listen very intently. Acts chapter 1, verse number 15. If you uh, find your place, if you'd like to stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God, I apologize. I don't have all my voice, but I'm going to do my best this morning for the Lord. Acts chapter 1, verse number 15, the Word of God says, And in those days Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, The number of the names together were about 120. Men and brethren, the Scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake before concerning Judas, which was guide to them that took Jesus. For he was numbered with us and had obtained part of this ministry. Now this man purchased a field with the reward of iniquity. And falling headlong, he burst asunder in the midst, and all his bowels were gushed out. Now Scripture says Judas hung himself. Now did he hang himself, or did he fall down and his bowels gush out? Well, both. Because as best we understand from Scripture, Judas went out to hang himself, and he had messed everything else up, and now he messes up his own suicide. And when he tries to hang himself, either the rope broke or the limb broke, but Judas tumbled headlong into that field when he tried to hang himself, and literally his bowels gushed out on the ground. And it was known unto all the dwellers at Jerusalem, and so much as that field is called in their proper tongue a seldom, that is to say the field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, Let his habitation be desolate, and let no man dwell therein. And his bishopric let another take. And wherefore of these men which have accompanied with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John and to that same day that he was taken up from us, must one be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection. The first big blunder by the apostles after the Lord Jesus' ascension. They're going to get out of the will of God right off the bat. God never told them to do this. This was man's method. This was man's way, man taking things into his own hands. That wasn't God's will. Who did God want to be that apostle? Paul. Paul, man called out of due season. They said, no, we've got to choose one. And they appointed two, Joseph called Barsabas who was surnamed Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, Thou, Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show whether of these two thou hast chosen, that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship, from which Judas, by transgression, fell. Listen, underline this this morning in your heart. That he might go to his own place. P-L-A-C-E, place. John 14, 1, the Word of God says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a mansion for you, a place. Mansion's already there, past tense. He said so. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. Same Greek word, rendered same English word, place. What did Jesus prepare? A position, positionally. 
He made restitution for our sins. And He justified us that we could come before God and gave us a positional place, a special place that we could approach the throne of God through His blood. Now Jesus prepared a place and Scripture said Judas went to a place. And it's going to be difficult, but if you'll listen this morning, if God will be my helper, I want to talk to you on the subject of a special place in hell. As I already mentioned this morning, this won't be a shouting message, but I want you to listen intently because this is very important. Mark chapter number 3 and verse number 13, the Word of God said, He goeth up into a mountain and calleth unto him whom he would. They came unto him and he ordained twelve that they should be with him that he might send them forth to preach and to have power to heal sickness, to cast out devils. And Simon, he surnamed Peter, and James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, and he surnamed them Boanjareges, which is the sons of thunder, and Andrew, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, and Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, which also betrayed him. Was Judas saved and then lost his salvation? Absolutely, emphatically, no. Judas was never saved. I know there's a lot of popular theology today that believes Judas was saved and lost what he had. Judas never had anything to start with. Judas never believed from the beginning. He never submitted to the Lordship of Christ. Not one time recorded in the Gospels did Judas ever call Jesus Christ Lord. He called Him Master. He called Him Teacher. But He never one time called Him Lord. He never partook of the indwelling Holy Ghost and never experienced the grace of God. But he never for one minute ever fooled God. In John 13 verse number 10, Jesus saith to him, He that is washed needeth not, save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit. And ye are clean, but not all. For he knew who should betray him. Therefore said he, Ye are not all clean. In John 6 verse 70, the word of God says, Jesus answered them, Have not I chosen you twelve? And one of you is a devil. Verse 64. But there are some of you that believe not. Judas never believed. Judas never saw Jesus for who he was. And Jesus said that plainly. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not. And who should betray him? There's a probing question this morning that I'll try to answer by the grace of God. And that is why did Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, allow Judas Iscariot to partake in his earthly ministry and experience the supernatural power of the Holy Ghost of God. Why did Jesus allow a lost man to take part in this ministry? If you've ever sat in a service 
where God Almighty anointed a God-called preacher to preach the Word of God, you've experienced the power of God. If you've ever sat in a service where God showed up and let His little children worship in the Holy Ghost, you've experienced the power of God. But why allow this infamous devil to partake in his ministry? And then write it down for the whole world to hear about it. Because all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto good works. And God gave every verse of Scripture for our admonition, for our teaching, and for our example. And why did Jesus allow Judas Iscariot, this infamous devil, to have a part in his earthly ministry and know something about seeing and being around the power of God? Why did he do that? Jesus did that as a vivid picture and a vivid illustration of three things I'm going to tell you this morning. Number one, Jesus allowed Judas to be part of his ministry to be a vivid illustration of how depraved a man can really be. Judas, in his pride and in his arrogance, thought that he was better than all of the other disciples. Judas was the only disciple from Judea. The others were all from Galilee. And therefore, Judas felt like he was superior to them. Judas had no interest in spiritual matters. He had no interest in the spiritual awakening of the Jewish nation. But rather, Judas had a lust for power. He thought Jesus would bring about a revolt and an insurrection against the oppressive Roman government. And Judas wanted to be on the ground level the grassroots level, and set at Jesus' side in this new kingdom. And Judas was looking out for Judas. Judas was so obsessed with Judas that his own lust and his own power, and in that Judas was a type and a foreshadow of the Antichrist himself. And Judas was willing to betray the only begotten Son of God just to be able to have what Judas wanted. In 2 Thessalonians 2, 3, the Word of God said, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come. What's he talking about? The day of Christ. Except there come a falling away first. And that man of sin, that's the Antichrist, the man. Judas Iscariot was not the Antichrist. He was a picture, a type a foreshadow of the Antichrist. But he was not the Antichrist. He was a Antichrist, but not the Antichrist. And the word said here of the Antichrist, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. 
There's a man by the name of Gershon Solomon who's the leader of the Temple Mount Faithful. And Gershon Solomon and his followers are Orthodox Jews that live in Jerusalem. And today they are planning the rebuilding of the Temple in Jerusalem on that Temple Mount. That Temple is a reality. It's a fact, Brother Ricky. The cornerstone's already been cut. The instruments of the sacrifice have already been made. They are literally ready right now to go into a temple and begin animal sacrifice. And they're waiting for the construction of that temple that could happen very shortly. But when that's taken place, at the midpoint of the tribulation period, the man, the Antichrist, will walk into that temple, sit down on the mercy seat, and declare that he is God. You say, Brother Mike, that's horrendous. But if you've never surrendered the throne of your heart to the Lordship of Christ, and if you've never submitted to His leadership, then you exalt yourself in your own heart to the position of God, and you yourself become an antichrist. That's why John said, little children... It is the last times. And as you've heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last times. And Judas was a type of the Antichrist and a foreshadowing of the end times apostasy and a vivid illustration of how depraved a man could really be. That a man would want what he wanted so much that he'd be willing to trample underfoot the blood of the Son of God just to get what he wants. And I watch it all across America. I watch it in Baptist churches as a bunch of religious do-nothings come in and out and trample the blood of Christ underfoot, never been regenerated by the power of the Holy Ghost, never been born of the Spirit of God, but they've got their own little religious agenda. They've got their own little religious ideas and they go about playing games with the holy things of God doing what they want to do and the whole time doing it in God's name. An illustration of how depraved a man could be. But secondly, Judas' character took part in the ministry of Jesus Christ to show an illustration of how deceived a man could possibly be. In John 13, 21, the Word of God says, When Jesus had thus said, He was troubled in His spirit and testified and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. Then the disciples looked one on another, doubting of whom He spake. Brother Ricky, they didn't have a clue what He was talking about. There was nothing in the life of Judas's carrot that even gave them the slightest hint that he might have been a devil. Brother Ricky, he fooled the whole crowd. Verse 23 says, Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. That's John, the one doing the writing here. Simon Peter therefore beckoned to him that he should ask who it should be of whom he spake. Then lying on Jesus' breast, saith unto him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, He it is to whom I shall give sop. When I have dipped it, and when he dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas his carrot, the son of Simon. But listen. And after the sop, Satan entered into him. 
Then said Jesus unto him, That thou doest, do quickly. Now no man at the table knew for what intent he spake this unto him. For some of them thought, because Judas had the bag, that Jesus had said unto him, Buy those things which we have need of against the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. Judas had so fooled these disciples of Christ into thinking that he was truly a follower of Jesus that they literally had the sweet Son of God tell them eyeball to eyeball, I'm going to take this bread, I'm going to dip it in this sop, and the one I hand it to is the betrayer. That's what he said. Jesus dipped the bread, handed it to Judas, and they looked at Jesus and they scratched their head and they still didn't understand. That's how blind men can be. Hey, you can fool your wife. You can fool your husband. You can fool your mama. You can fool your daddy. And you can fool a slobbering Baptist preacher. But you ain't going to fool God. God knows what's going on. John 12, verse number 1. This gives us a hint and an insight into the character of Judas is carried. Boy, God opened up my eyes to some things here. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. And there they made him a supper, and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. She's worshiping Jesus. This ointment cost her more than a year's wages. And this woman has poured this spice out. And that anointing spice is a type of the Holy Ghost of God. And I believe with all my heart, Brother Ricky, if the Holy Ghost ever gets in you, once in a while he'll get out of you. And this thing got out of her and she got to worship in the Son of God and the whole house was filled with odor and people all over that house was worshiping and praising God and glorifying God. Then said one of his disciples, Judas is carried, Simon's son, not Satan's son, Simon's son, which should betray him. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? This he said not that he cared for the poor, but he was a thief and had the bag and bare what was put therein. Then said Jesus, let her alone. Against the day of my bearing has she kept this. For the poor always you have with you. But me, you have not always. You know what Jesus was doing? He was gently rebuking. And he wasn't just, he wasn't just trying to make a fool out of Judas' character. Judas done that by himself. But Jesus is gently rebuking him. But you know what Judas wanted? Judas wanted the attention. Jesus was getting the glory. Jesus was getting the attention. And Judas said, uh-uh. You ever been in one of those services where God showed up and people got to testifying and glorifying God and God was magnified and you see some old flat jaw jump up, go to bragging on their self and God just leaves like a doctor leaves a dead man. Well, I've seen it. Y'all have too. I could, 
I could name you a time or two, but I won't. <laughs> Judas wanted to look spiritual. And Judas made a fool out of himself because he didn't understand the ways of God and he didn't understand the worship of God, why he was lost. But Jesus gently rebuked Judas and Judas was so offended from that very day forward for the next six days, Judas sought occasion to betray the Son of God. Judas was so offended at the very suggestion that he might possibly be wrong. Men sit in church for years, lost and unregenerate without God, molded to the social structure of the church. And I see this all the time. Men brag on their church. Some they'll brag on the preacher and pat the preacher on the back until one day God comes in in mighty power and wrings them out like a dish rag and shows them that they're L-O-S-T lost. And then they'll blow up like a bomb. I've seen it over and over. Their little religious world flies apart, spins out of control, and in their pride, they got to blame somebody. And the first one that gets the brunt of that's the preacher. Every time. So deceived in their own depravity and the depravity of their own heart that they cannot even admit, Brother Tim, how wrong they really are. Hey, you want, you want to pick out a Judas? You pick out somebody that can never admit what they've really done and how wrong they really are. But there's something natural, Brother Ricky, when God rings somebody's bell, they won't blame somebody else. They won't say, that ain't God, that ain't God dealing with me. That ain't God telling me I'm lost. And that's exactly why folks will go to hell because they won't be told anything. And Judas wouldn't be told anything. Jesus tried to tell him something. Jesus tried to help him out and Judas wasn't going to be told. You won't find a Judas, you find me somebody won't be told nothing. Matthew 27 verse 3, Then Judas, which had betrayed him when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders. Listen to this. Saying, I have sinned in, in that I have betrayed innocent blood. Now Judas lived a secret life. Just like a lot of Baptists, I know. Judas lived a secret life. Brother, the whole time he was sitting with the disciples, he was a bargaining with the chief priest and the Pharisees. He was sitting in there with them eating supper, and the whole time there's a crowd down at the temple waiting for him to come back and tell them when he could catch him out by himself. Judas lived a secret life. Like a whole lot of Baptist folks live a secret life. I mean, they want to act real good in church and want to act real good in public and want everybody to think real highly of them. But in the deepest recesses of their heart, they got something entirely different going on. Well, I see them all the time. Boy, you watch folks that's got to be so secretive about their life. Once in a while, I, my mama says, you don't have to tell everything you know. And I don't tell everything I know. I, of all the men in the world, I have almost zero privacy. But I'm going to tell you what, my life ain't a secret, Brother Jesse. Ain't nothing about who I am, where I go, and what I do is secret. But Judas was carrying secrets with him. And he lived a double life. 
And after all that Judas has done to the Son of God, all he said, Judas still cannot admit what he's done. You say, but Judas said, I've sinned in that I have betrayed innocent blood. You know what that means? That means Judas realized that Jesus was innocent. He hadn't really done anything. And it made him feel bad. But Judas has yet to ever admit that the one he betrayed was the living, breathing Son of God. The sin that Judas committed was not just betraying innocent blood. Judas has betrayed the Son of God. And Judas is still not really going to admit where he's been and what he's done. Oh, Judas is willing to say, I was wrong in that I I betrayed an innocent man. But he still ain't going to admit who he was. You won't find a Judas, you'll find somebody that will try to sugarcoat it just a little bit. But they ain't going to just get graveyard judgment day honest. That's why so many Baptists are going to wind up in hell one day. Because Baptists just can't get honest. Listen, I I lived a pretend Baptist life for the first 25 years of my life. I lived a pretend life, brother. I was as lost as a ball in high weeds. I could play the game just like everybody else could play the game. I could stand up in church and testify. I could play the piano for the youth choir and little old gospel singing groups. I could come in and out. I could pray in public. I could do it all. But I was still lost, unregenerate without God. Brother Tim, it takes a really, really special supernatural work of the grace of God from man or woman to ever be able to stand up and admit, hey, why don't I just be real? I'm just lost. I'm just lost. There's some of you had to get to that place before God could ever help you. Brother Jesse gave his testimony so sweetly to the young people yesterday. Brother Jesse thought he was saved for a long time. Brother Jesse thought he was a Baptist preacher. Brother Jesse got under the preaching of the Word of God and found out he wasn't a Baptist preacher and he wasn't saved, but he was L-O-S-T. You see, I see that a lot of times, Miss Lord. A lot of folks get dealt with by the Holy Ghost of God. There's something wrong on the inside of them. And Brother Jesse, they don't mean to. They're trying to put things in order. They're trying to put things in place. They're really trying to fix what they perceive as wrong in their own heart. And I see multitudes and multitudes in pulpits all across this county and all across this nation that are as lost as Hogan's goat, never known the grace of God, but they got under some kind of duress and tried to take and make a bargain with God. God's not Monty Hall. God's not in Let's Make a Deal. And they try to do a deal with God to get all that pressure. I'm going to say, I must. God must be calling me to preach. God's not calling them to preach, Brother Ricky. They're disturbed on the inside because there's still a void. There's still something missing. There's still something that they don't have a grip on. And Judas lived a secret life and betrayed the Son of God. And Judas deceived others for so long. Now Judas has spun such a tangled web of deception that now Judas has played this game so long for his grand finale. Judas has deceived his own self. And God allowed Judas his carrot to have a part in the ministry of the Son of God to be a living, breathing illustration to you and I of just how deceived a man could really be. And thirdly, I'm finished this morning. 
God allowed Judas to take part in the ministry of Christ to show just how damned a man could really be. In John 17, verse number 12, While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me, I have kept. Jesus said, Those that you give me, Father, I've kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me, I have kept, and none of them is lost. But the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Did Jesus lose him? No, Jesus never had him. Jesus already told us he never believed from the beginning. And the word of God calls him son of perdition. A lot of people mistakenly get the idea that Judas is carried and the Antichrist are the same person because scripture calls the person the Antichrist the son of perdition. But son of perdition is not a proper name. But it's a descriptive phrase that describes the damnation and the damnable ruin and loss physically and spiritually, and eternal destruction. Matthew 26, verse 24, Jesus said, The Son of Man goeth, as it is written of him, But woe unto that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It had been good for that man if he had not been born. You see, this is not really so much what Judas did. Are you listening? It's not really so much what Judas did. It's who he did it to. John 3, 19. This is the condemnation that light has come into the world. And men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. In the book of John, you find here that it's described that Jesus Christ is the light of the world. And Jesus came into the world and was made flesh and dwelt among us. And Jesus gives the answer very simply to why any man, woman, boy, or girl goes to hell. You do not go to hell for being a drunkard. You do not go to hell for being a whoremonger. You do not go to hell for sucking pills up your nose. You do not go to hell for being an adulterer. You go to hell for rejecting the light of the world. And Jesus Christ is that light. And what Jesus said is I come and I reveal myself to men. And they say no to the light that I give them. Men are judged in hell based on how much light they received on earth. Do you think God could be fair and equitable and take a pygmy in Africa and put him in the same hell that he had put somebody in from Wilkes County? No, sir. This book teaches explicitly that when it comes to the great white throne judgment of God and the lake of fire, that there are degrees of punishment. They're all eternal. And you ain't going to want the best they got. But it is equitable. And the Word of God teaches us that. But Judas Iscariot was sitting at the table, Brother Jesse, when Jesus Christ was anointed by Mary with that spike ointment. 
He was sitting at the table with Jesus and Lazarus that was literally raised from the dead. Judas saw with his own eyeballs and experienced having supper with a man that had laid in a grave for four days. Do you think Judas had light? Judas had sat and listened to the preaching audibly as the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ that spoke worlds into existence, articulated the Old Testament Scriptures to the disciples, and Judas sat and listened to the whole thing. But he so hardened his heart against Jesus that the Word of God says that Judas is carrying has gone to his place. What place? His special place. Just for him. Why is it just for him? Because nobody in the history of the planet ever did what Judas did. Judas betrayed the Son of God in full view of the glorious light of the sweet Lord Jesus when he stood on the mount and preached to all of those children of Israel, when he expounded the word of God, when he got happy in the Holy Ghost, when he walked in the city and the children of Israel began to put down palm branches and shout, Hosanna to God in the highest. And Judas stood around in the prayer meetings and in the worship services and heard the whole thing. And today, guess what? Judas gets a special place in hell. Say, so what's that got to do with me or you? Luke twelve forty seven. And that servant which knew his Lord's will and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. But Luke twelve verse forty eight says, But he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten. With few stripes. For unto whomsoever much is given, of him shall be much required. And to whom men have committed much, of him they will ask the more. And my friends in the Bible Belt, Wilkes County, North Carolina, with preaching on every hillside, Preaching CDs sitting in the back going all over the country. We live in a nation that has preaching on the internet. Preaching everywhere you look. God sent some of you to sit in services where the sweet Son of God manifests His presence through the Holy Ghost. And God dealt with souls. God wrung men out like dish rags. God saved souls in the midst of some of you. But yet you sit obstinate, arrogant rebellious and say God not me I ain't breaking well guess what sin against light will earn you a special place in hell you won't ever be able to stand and look at a holy God and say you didn't tell me you'll never look at God and say you didn't tell me the truth you didn't tell me I was lost God will take you right back to the time. God will take you right back to the place 
where you heard the preaching of the Word of God and it got that little prick down on the inside and made you feel nauseated. And he thought, boy, I wish I could just get out of here. I wish I could just get away from this. And every time you sit under that, and every time you hold back from that, and every time you push against that, and every time God shows you, hey, you may have sung in the choir, you may have taught Sunday school, you may have called yourself a preacher, but you've never been born again. You've never really been saved by the grace of God. And every time you push away on that, you sin against life. And every time you sin against life, you get a more prestigious special place. In hell. I ain't sure y'all believe me. But I told you what this book says. Judas went to his own place. His special place. And it breaks my heart beyond imagination. Of the times that I come in this place. And I see God deal with men. I see God deal with women. And they go to looking around. Trying to get their mind off what God's saying. It ain't what the preacher's saying that bothers people. It's what the Holy Ghost is saying on their heart. And they get to looking around. Or they get to flipping through their Bible like they're looking for something. Or a songbook gets real interesting to them. Or they get to counting the cracks in the floor. And they get to looking at somebody behind them. And they can't get into the service because they're trying to get somewhere else. Trying to get away from God. Trying to get away from the drawing of the Holy Ghost. And I'll tell you right now, straight up, I'd rather you stay home and eat oatmeal and watch Andy Griffith reruns on Sunday morning than to come in this place and hear the truth and reject the Holy Ghost of God. Because you'll be better off when it comes time for you to go to hell. You'll be better off if you've never heard the truth. You'd be better off if you never heard one of these old boys get plugged up and pray in the Holy Ghost. You'd be better off if you never heard like precious little old sister Sean had to say yesterday that she just wanted to thank God for saving her, trying to be obedient to the voice of God. You'd be better off if you never seen or heard anything like that than to die and go to hell from this place where God's come by and met with us. And you know what? I'm not mad. I'm not frustrated. I'm not aggravated. I'm heartbroken that I'd see me and be so stubborn, be so obstinate, and be so arrogant, and be so rebellious that the sweet Son of God that died to pay for your sin to forgive you and justify you so you'd never have to meet your sin. Brother Tim, I lived a wicked life. As a 17-year-old boy, I lived on the streets of Ventura, California. I've been a place or two. I've seen a thing or two in my life. And there's a whole lot of stuff in my life I don't want to have to face in judgment. You know what? 20 years ago, on a ragged couch in a little green and cream-colored trailer on the Fair Plains Road, The blessed Holy Ghost of God tore me up like a new ground. And God's sweet spirit came by that night. And God put a spirit of seeking on me. And I got to praying and asking God to forgive me. And Terry Smith that night on that couch. God the sweet Holy Ghost drawing on me. God the Father sending for me. And Jesus Christ took his own blood and said, Father, I paid for his sin. Forgive him. Buddy, it's all in the sea of God's forgetfulness and God put out a no fishing sign. It ain't never coming back up again, Miss Pat's gone. 
Now tell me why would anybody be so arrogant? Why would anybody be so rebellious against the sweet Son of God that they'd say no to a salvation like that? That God had come by some of you being so religious, as religious as the day was long, and God rung you out like a dish rag and broke you down like a double-barrel shotgun, broke you down to a place where you could just admit it and say, I'm lost. Poor little Miss Megan been everything in the church except saved. I don't know how long it was, more than a year. She had so much trouble ever just saying, hey, I'm lost. But that's the first step to ever getting help. The first step to ever getting help. The Word of God said Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. You say, I'm confused about salvation. Well, you're not a candidate to get saved. You say, what are you talking about, preacher? Jesus did not come to seek and save that which was confused. Number one, you've got to get real good and L-O-S-T lost. That ain't confusing. But I'll tell you what men will do. They'll argue with God. They'll argue with the Holy Ghost until they are confused. And the reason they're confused is because they argued when God said lost. Who are you arguing with this morning? Not preaching Mike. I didn't write a word in this book. Not one. I'm going to tell you what. I'm not mad at you. You can get out of the trouble you're in. You can get out of it. You ain't Judas is carried. And you don't have to die that death of damnation. You can get you some help. But it'll start by humbling yourself. Precious little old girl was one of the first ones to really get saved when God broke loose on Flint Hill. She stood and she testified and she was a good girl. I mean, she, she'd never done wicked, bad stuff, Brother Jesse. She'd have blushed to just heard about some of the mild things I'd done in my life. She's a good girl. And she said God got to gnawing at her. God got to showing her there's something wrong in her heart. And she said, I got to listening to Christian radio and I got to listening and trying to get God to show me something and help me with what I needed. And the whole time God was trying to show her she was lost. And God gave her a little bit of light. And you know what she did? Miss Diane, she responded to the little bit of light God gave her. And she got, you know what she did? She started searching her own heart. God, what's wrong? God, what's wrong in me? Will you show me what's wrong? And she said, I was terrified. I was so ashamed. I was terrified to admit to myself that I was lost. Let alone admit to anybody else I was lost. I know how that feels. I know how that feels. But if you ever get saved, it's got to start with admitting you're lost. And finally she said she got to the point where she gave up and said, Okay, God, I'm lost. And she said, God, next time I go to church, I'm going to get in that altar and I'm going to get saved. And like some that sit in this room this morning, the next time she came to church, the Holy Ghost of God didn't draw her. And she said, I was terrified once again, Brother Ricky. She said, I was so scared I missed my chance. God's not dealing with me anymore. And now God won't save me. 
No, it wasn't that God wasn't dealing with her anymore. It's that God was trying to work faith. And God was trying to work Bible repentance in her heart so that when she really, really got in, she'd give God all the glory for it. That's why some of you went through what you went through. That's why God didn't let you just run to the discount bargain bin, pray some little 10 cent prayer and get in. Word of God said, strive to enter in at the straight gate. Ain't that what Jesus said? You reckon he knew what he was talking about? He said, strive to enter in. You know, what's that mean? That means to struggle as with fighting with an adversary. Jesus said, you can get in, you're going to have to fight your way in. What are you fighting against, Brother Jesse? The biggest enemy you got is yourself. Stinking P-R-I-D-E. That's the biggest enemy you are. Oh, I know Satan's your enemy. He ain't your biggest one. Oh, I know sin's your enemy. It ain't your biggest one. The biggest one's yourself. But I'm going to tell you what. Jesus gives a man power to break those chains and break those bonds. What a shame for a man to be sitting in prison made out of sin. Jesus to come by and open the door and say, you're free to go. And man, sit right there and say, no, thank you. No, thank you. I'm going to sit. If I go out of here, Lord, I'm going to be embarrassed. Boy, I'm going to break my wife's heart if I, if I have to say I'm lost. Well, Lord, don't you know if I say I'm lost, I'm going I'm to embarrass my husband. I'm going to embarrass my children. Lord, I'm going to terrify my mom and dad. They already think I'm saved. God, don't you know people's going to laugh and mock and make fun of me? Well, what in the world would people say if I was to go to an altar? I, I guess they'd say you don't want to go to hell. <laughs> but until you get there, you'll never get born again of the Spirit of God. Heads bowed, eyes closed.